0: This is the shift podcast. Today on the shift daily podcast is hybrid working, working for you. That's working from home and the office, maybe more home, maybe more office. Sandra Robinson is an organizational psychologist and professor at UBC. She shares her research into the pros and surprising cons of hybrid work models and the opportunities to improve it for employees and employers might be surprised by some of the good and some of the bad has HBO's the last of us finally broken the video game TV curse as in you cannot successfully turn a video game into a TV show on the technological world with Blaine Kylo we take a deep look at the show and how it compares to the highly celebrated video game in its new form plus are you okay with Zellers because it's coming back all here on the shift daily podcast
1: This is the Shift Podcast.
2: To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see esc, qatarl, and pick up. There doesn't seem to be any any key. Whew. all this computer hacking is making me thirsty. I think I'll order a tap. Nope, no time
0: for that now. The computer's starting. Here on the shift. I have only been to a radio studio. You have to hear me here. This is ironic. The only time I've been to a radio studio is to do a TV commercial. Now, the irony does not escape me. We have broadcast this incarnation of the show for through two and a half, almost three years now, never from work. Mm -hmm. We don't have to work at work anymore. And just so you know, this is a little bit of inside baseball right now as I speak to you. I have three connections to the radio station running in parallel in case one of them craps out. Technology has changed. Access to working from home has changed. Everything is completely different today. If I were traveling and I got stuck at an airport, I would still have three connections back to the radio station sitting at my gate doing the show. It's cool. Working from home is completely different, and that's where we want to start our conversation today is uh, with Sandra Robinson, an organizational psychologist and professor in the Souter School of Business in the University of British Columbia, because I want to know, are we better for it in all of this? Hey, Sandra. Thanks for being here.
1: Hi. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah. So working from home, some people are doing it all the time still. Some people are doing it hybrid style. Some people never did and some people wish they were and some people would be like god get me out of here i would go to the point where um it's awesome my dog's not great with consent so when she wants a pet it gets in the way but aside from that it's pretty cool i agree it's do awesome do you do you find that uh <laughs> do you do you find that working from home for yourself has been something that's enjoyable or are you in the classroom all the time what what is it where is it landing for you
1: it's a great question i it depends I like, I actually liked working at home. I liked teaching on zoom up to degree. Mm-hmm. It was stressful, but it was different. So I enjoyed that. Then I loved love getting back into the classroom because I love, I love face to face with my students. Um, I like the flexibility of getting to work from home and I'm fortunate like you, I have an occupation that enables me to, to, to be working in different places, even before the pandemic. Um, certain jobs like being a professor, you can work at your home office, work in you know in person, have meetings. Now we have meetings that are hybrid. we come in person, and people can come in through Zoom if they're far away. Um so we have a mm-hmm. combination. since the pandemic, we have that, we all have the tools now that gives us more options. Um, and I guess what I like best is having the choice. So today I'm in the office. this week, I'm in the office for a variety of yeah. reasons, but other weeks I would be farther away. And I remember like that
0: back in the day when we used to get that that hands free in the center of the boardroom table. And <laughs> there was always that one person. Now, the technology let that one salesperson dial in because they could. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. And,
0: <laughs> uh, and that was as, as portable as we got. And that wasn't probably more than 15 years ago. Um, and yet here <laughs> we are today with the flexibility to do it. Um, but is it working for us? That that would be the question, or is that just way too gray area, my personal life? Uh, maybe we look at the corporate part. I don't know, but is it working? Yeah,
1: it, I guess it depends who you ask, right? Is it working for mm. companies? Is it working for employees? Is it working for coworkers who maybe want their coworkers around or not around? I think it depends on who you're talking to. I think companies can benefit from it. They might save physical space because, you know, now we don't need as much office space. Um, maybe they can attract better talent or keep talent because they can draw on the, the many people that would prefer to be able to work remotely. Um, so companies might get something from it, but they also see downsides, right? Um, some of the problems for companies is they may feel that they, you know, there's not cohesion, there's not culture. I think you know, where I work, there is that worry that we're kind of losing our our sense of connectedness and culture because we're more spread out geographically. So that's a problem. Um, Some companies, of course, worry about whether they lose control over employees. So employees are slacking off, maybe not being as efficient, or maybe teams Mm -hmm. aren't coordinating as well. So there's some downsides, some pros for companies. And for employees, I think it so much depends, right? Depends on Mm -hmm. the people. Some people, extroverts, I think, maybe they're really Maybe they hate being in the, at home and alone, and they miss the energy of being in the office if it's remote. Um, so that might have been hardest for them during the pandemic. I think many people, though, I think pretty high percent like to work at home but want some some degree of in-person work, some sort of hybrid. I think that's mm-hmm. what the consensus is on average, right? But individuals uh, vary agree. a lot. They vary a lot in what they prefer
0: in Calgary, there was a station that I worked at downtown and it was right downtown. And in Calgary, we have the plus 15. I know Toronto, like the underground and some areas of Vancouver, you know, to underground. Um, but everything happens in the second story. So you can actually access every building from every building in bridges across the streets, like the whole downtown is connected. And, um, that's what I miss is actually the breaks from work when I would go walking through downtown and the energy that you would pick up from all the people now, at the same time, though, I also look at those people that are maybe a little bit more social and less hard work, right? You know, those people that always got the promotion because they were always leaning on the boss's door, like, hey, boss, what's happening today? Like that tie, you know, those guys, Um, but those people were, they were working the office politics. And sometimes they would get a raise, they would get opportunity because, you know, you know, Steve, the guy, I gotta stop picking on Steve. I need a new name. (laughs) because Boy, Steve gets beat up every day here on the shift. But Steve's like leaning on the boss's doorway, right? He's, he's always the guy, the guy. Now you got, you know, Bob down the hall, who's working hard and actually getting the work done. Mm -hmm. And I was curious that in all this, are we seeing maybe that those politicking people are not able to thrive the same way and yet um, there could be more accountability at home for a guy like Steve because they can look at how many documents you created today they can look at how many sales pitches you put out the door because nobody's counting your minutes standing in the boss's doorway anymore
1: that's a really good we should do some research together I don't know if we've studied this This it's a good topic though seriously right because yeah You know, I think, I do think, the thing I I keep going on about is we need more outcome-based work, right? We can let everybody work geographically apart if we could focus more on what they produce and less on what they're doing on a minute-by-minute basis. And some jobs allow for that, some don't. There's so many reasons why we might work remotely, but for, let's say, your type of job, my type of job you know, you focus on the outcome. No one needs to look at how I produce that paper, right? Or how I got right. the class ready. I just did. Yeah. I delivered the, del- the and, 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 yeah, and so if you're the good at it world, and you
0: got it done in an hour, right, good for cares? you. You're like that paid. doesn't mean you should do four more things.
1: Yeah. You're getting paid for what you produced, not right. just typing on a computer, staring at a screen. I hope right. FaceTime. Mm. We don't need FaceTime. We need good quality output. And so, yeah. So if you have the the, the Steve's or the Susan's or whatever of the world mm-hmm. who are schmoozing a lot. I think if that ends up taking precedent over actually producing out, outcomes, um, that's a problem. And maybe remote work helps to even up that balance. I don't know for sure. I, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have
0: another one then for you. Um, when we leave a job or our bosses change over and we're trying to find a new job in today's world, most jobs are found one of two ways. Either you know somebody and you get upstream info, right? You get your resume dropped on the HR's desk specifically. Mm -hmm. and Like, this is my guy. I -hmm. just want to make sure that he's your guy. Yeah. Um, otherwise we're going to go to the online process. The other way to get hired is the online process. Right. Well, the, the online process can have a series of check boxes, right? You have sure. a degree in marketing, you right. have a degree in this. Mm-hmm. Well, you could have somebody that's worked in that industry for 30 years and they are far more expertise based than anybody with a degree. You just didn't need a degree degree 30 mm-hmm. years ago, right. right? Right. That person gets skipped over in the application process because of a checkbox. The, um, Just because they get put into a separate pile. So if you don't have those relationships, Mm -hmm. what about trying to get a job? I guess I'm looking forward into this remote, we're not connected building relationships world. Now I don't actually know anybody to put my application (laughs) on the desk that could work against us as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bit better. Everybody's in the same boat, right? Um, What The worst case is that, you know, for years they studied what they called at our field telework. There were some people that work remotely, but the majority of people were in the office. Those people really had that huge disadvantage because they don't have that connection that everybody else has. Now, if everybody is disconnected, at least it evens that playing field. But yeah, it could absolutely be an issue. I think of... Uh, especially for people without a lot of experience, new people in companies, for example, right? At least, let's say Bob or whoever, whatever you named the last guy. Could be a woman too, right? Steve? Bob. Yeah, no, it's Bob. Bob is the good Bob, guy. Bob Bob, 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 Barb, let's, we can mix it up. Um, yeah, we should do. Know, we should
0: we I should mix it, it up. 30 yeah.
1: years, They do know people. They have known people. And the, at least you have a history together. I'd be more worried about the people who are in a workplace that, or an industry where they've only known remote work. How do they build yeah. any relationships, right? It's really hard to get to know people or really hard to get to know the culture or maybe really hard to get to know your boss without that face-to-face. Um, those oh. are the folks I think that might suffer the most on that front. But again, less so if everybody's in that boat. But again, not everybody is because a lot of people already had a history. and are Right, known but then you just touched on that one thing that I, you
0: know? yeah, I worry about with my kids is that, you know, they just had a couple of years of remote teaching. Now they're about to graduate and go into <laughs> yeah. college and all these things, right? So maybe there yeah. are, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad for them. We don't know just yet, but they could fall into that bucket of people that you say, um, you know, didn't get the chance to cultivate some of those relationships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what you learn in those relationships too, right? Like you yeah. learn from being around people, observing people, how to do work, yeah. how to be a professional, how to even do school, right? If, if I think of the young people, if they've been, their formative years have been, you know on zoom what 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 becomes of them um even going into university um or they huh. or the students who spent the last few years of university away or, or went into their co-ops or internships or first jobs remotely i think those are really formative years and i think something gets lost baby when they don't have that face-to-face time
0: mm. what
1: we consider at least what we've always considered normal work i guess it's not normal anymore
0: well, isn't that the case? Um, Ryan, a uh, content producer who you spoke with on the email and stuff, he had a question for you that okay. specifically about his scenario. So we've been doing the show from home for so long. Now, <laughs> I, my partner is in Ottawa. I go back and forth between Calgary and Ottawa. So I do it from Ottawa. I do it from here. And, and I get to see other people. I do it in a different environment. It's not always the same for me. Ryan, um, he's a, a single uh, young man, has a roommate so because our show the time of day it happens he does it in his bedroom he's got a desk there it's also where he plays his video games he's a younger person he loves his (laughs) video games so in that room is his working desk his video game computer his bed he literally doesn't leave um have you found anything about those kinds of scenarios where people maybe are doing too much in one spot life gets tangled up I guess I, I'm assuming a lot here, but maybe those boundaries between personal time and work time get a little bit lost. Uh, have you found anything about that that we need to know?
1: Oh, that's such a good question, too. I don't know if we know work. I don't know if we know an answer to that. I don't think we do. But just mm, just making stuff up here, I think it sounds unhealthy. It sounds like you should draw a line. I think, I think yeah. it's awesome that it, on one hand, you got this amazing work-life balance. You don't have a commute. On the other hand, does one become the other? They say, they you know, people that study, do sleep research, for example, you know, you shouldn't have a TV in your room, you shouldn't have work in your room, it should be a a sanctuary, a place to relax, so your brain associates that space with sleep and not other activities if you have the luxury. Um, And so I wonder what happens when your leisure space and your eating space and your sleeping space is also your workspace. I, I could see it being potentially an issue. I don't know. Oh, um, how's Ryan you do? know, I you just said something. Okay? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, debatable. No, he's awesome. Um, the, but you did bring up one thing that we could go backwards in time with, where there was a bunch of research that was done on eating your lunch at your desk right, versus true. taking your lunch else. Right. So, I mean, you could yeah. probably correlate um, a little bit of stuff there. Yeah, uh, that's true. Wh- what, a, what about time theft, though? Landing in the world of time yeah. theft. Right. People that are just trying to squeak by, sneak by, pretending they're in the meetings. I mean, I love some of the... Uh, videos that you see they're playful as they are on tiktok and instagram of the people that they're basically you know in a golf cart but they've got the fake backdrop and they're trying to go (laughs) golfing and they're trying to pretend that they're sitting at their desk (laughs) that's fun but that i think that's happening
1: it could be no okay first i will argue that there's always been time theft i've been studying theft and sabotage and all kinds of dysfunctional behavior for decades always been there there's always a degree of it there's lots of debate what is considered theft what's bad what what's acceptable behavior there's different avenues now if we can be remote but certainly mm-hmm. the people that might be stealing time now because they're working remotely for probably finding other ways to steal time as well. You know, as you point out, that people are creative, right? So you know, those people I've seen in person, they come to a meeting, go, oh, I've got to go to another meeting, but they just come to the beginning or the end. They don't have another meeting. They only came to no. part of a meeting, right? There's all kinds of ways. I remember back in the day there's a story of you could, you know, the person who would leave their coffee out and put their coat over their the, the back of their chair in their office or the cubicle so it looked like they just stepped out if anyone came by but they could be elsewhere no one knows yeah <laughs> so to a degree there's always probably been creative time theft and that's going to happen no matter what um is there more with remote work possibly possibly absolutely we certainly saw a case recently because it made the news right the went to the bc tribunal of a woman who was a Uh, was found to have stolen 50 hours of time from her employer and actually owed that time, owed that money back. Um, And so, you know, that's a case, but probably I'm guessing that person may have been an underperformer anyway. And we know Mm -hmm. there's lots of reasons why people might engage in time theft, right? Sometimes it's, you know, they don't don't have the resources or the ability to do their job effectively. Um, They're really burned out. They don't like their job anyway. Uh, Maybe they don't they have problems with their boss. They maybe don't have respect for the company. Maybe they haven't felt treated well or maybe they feel like they've always been shortchanged by the company and one way they make it up. They can even the score by cutting back in other ways. Like I'm not being paid as much as I could elsewhere, or I didn't get that promotion. I was led to believe I might get well guess what I'm going to even the score by reducing my work i don't owe you i'm just making things in their mind they're making things more balanced um so we know there's lots of motives for why people might engage in time theft, and we could argue you know being remote might give some jobs there might be more possibility for that especially if they're not outcome based right if it's outcome based you're being paid for what you produced if you're measuring people just in terms of how many hours they put in then Possibly they can cut back, even if you have technology. So, some companies may be trying to overlay some technology to man- more effectively monitor how much people are sitting at their computer. That's what happened in this particular case, if I understand correctly. I think there was a video camera and there's something that would look at which website she happened to be using or how she was using her computer, um, which could actually identify work. But there are then other technologies that maybe can help to thwart that, right? There was, you know, people yeah. come with creative ways to overcome the machine that's managing them. you know. Well,
0: Homer Simpson did it. He had the any <laughs> key. He had the bird and the any key button, yeah. right?
1: And we know, so. we absolutely know that if you try to to squelch people's autonomy or impose control over them, they there's a thing called reactance theory. People will push back so they will find ways to undo or try and work around that control to have because they want to be autonomous. Um, I even, there's even some work on, you know, some people that work independently, but with algorithms. So let's say they're an Uber driver or they're a task rabbit person. The algorithms, they're using an app and the algorithm helps to control their behavior, right? It it gets them to do certain things and not do certain things. And they, they, they get consequences for not doing certain things. So it's always trying to regulate them. And those people who are being controlled by the technology will try and find creative, again, creative workarounds. To, to, yeah. to get their autonomy back, so it's a it's little great bit way to of give a, yourself a
0: raise, right? <laughs>
1: potentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but, but
0: I, when I say great way, I don't mean necessarily effective no, 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 way. No, no, but...
1: Not a prescriptive. You don't mean it that
0: way, just, yeah. From their point of view. Well, it, yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, he worked two hours less. By the way, you gave yourself a, a, a wage increase. Um, now, sabotage and corporate espionage, though. Um, have you guys taken a look at that? Because I mean, sabotage is you sort of described yeah, it right there. Yeah. I, I'll get you. I mean, we're vindictive beasts, yeah. certainly. Um, but the um, but the corporate espionage could be another one. I mean, you could actually work for multiple companies because you could have this company here on this desk and this one on this desk and, you know, contracts, of course. But the reality is, is yeah. you could be working for multiple companies and sliding information back. Nobody would ever know anymore.
1: I've heard that. I've only read about it in the news, right? I've There are people who clearly could balance multiple jobs in their remote work. And, you know, I would actually put that back on the employer again, like, Are you asking for deliverables? Should you be asking for more? I mean, we wouldn't give a second thought to a company hiring, say, a consultant or, a, don't know, a PR person or or someone else who's going to do some work or a lawyer. And think of any professional. We hire them. We don't care if they have multiple clients. We're paying them to get the job done. We pay them X dollars to deliver. So, you know, if they're able to work with multiple clients at the same time, who are we to judge? So one, if we view employees that way, there's really nothing wrong with it. I mean, there is, but there isn't, right? You could think of it that way if they were outcome-based. Now, if they're paying, yeah. if they feel like they're paying employees by the hour and they're treating them like hourly employees, then, of course, that that looks quite different. But what if that employee really is a good a, a, a good performer? Yeah, right?
0: like what if they're the best?
1: Yeah, what if they could be, right?
0: <laughs> right, and then you found out, oh, they're still the best. And by the <laughs> yeah. way, they're working <laughs> they for Susie call. over there.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Moonlighting, at but time. at the same time, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, uh, and we haven't even gotten to the fact of whether or not you wear pants when you're on Zoom calls. Like, that was a whole <laughs> other topic. I was gonna get to, <laughs> isn't that the a One of the perks, <laughs> isn't that one of the perks of working from home? Seriously, like, okay, I'm gonna tell you what's about to happen. Um, because we're recording this in the daytime before we get to the nighttime show, is that. I am before I get on the nighttime show, I'm going to put on my comfy pants and I'm going to put on a t-shirt and I'm going to go take off my night sweater and I'm going to go sit down and Ryan gets to see pajama Shane. He doesn't get to see, right? Shane in a nice sweater.
1: <laughs> but it works. And you know, you can separate your day and night shifts. It's good. <laughs>
0: yes, it is very true. Thank you so much for this inspiring conversation. I think it's good for us to look at, you know, whether it's working for us and what the opportunities might be and and, uh, and how we get there. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a new frontier. So it's going to be interesting looking ahead at how, how work changes, how people behave in this these new work environments. And I, I think we just mm-hmm. have to kind of forge ahead trying to figure out how are we going to manage this? Um, but yeah, it raises lots of interesting questions. Like I said, we I'm should do research. I think you have some really cool questions.
0: I have lots of questions. I'll do research with okay, you. Good. I love it. I got okay. lots of questions.
1: Good. You get the yeah. questions. I'll collect the data. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Deal. <laughs> I good. love it.
0: Is a technological world and blaine kylo is the master of it. Solocore.com. you know the lyrics of that say splendor and i feel like splendor is such a blaine kylo kind of word it's uh, a, good word.
3: Yeah, it is a good word yeah splendor sounds good too
0: the west coast's best dad here not only that gaming gadgets and more and The Last of Us, the video game, has become a TV show, and um, so because you are the gaming guy here on The Shift, it seems to me that this is where we need to start to talk about it to find its authenticity.
3: Yeah, everybody, especially everybody in Alberta, should know about this because it was shot, it's been down the road, shot in southern Alberta over the past year, biggest... TV production, I think, in Alberta's history, Um, the HBO production coming from Neil Druckmann, who developed the game and wrote the game and its sequel, and also co-created the TV show with Craig Mazin. People might be familiar with him because he created the HBO um, miniseries Chernobyl and uh the last of us premiered on sunday and prestige tv is a phrase that's getting tossed around a lot um to characterize these shows that have high production values really high concepts really big stars and the last of us it kind of fits the label i think um very, very faithful to the video game. I've only seen one episode. I know that there are some journalists out there and critics who have seen up to four of the nine episodes that have been that are being produced for this first season. Um, and I played the video game. I haven't replayed the first Last of Us game. It was a while ago, but from what I remember, the first episode of this series in some cases it's almost shot for shot what the cut of the video game were like. Now you can't give viewers of a TV show agency the way people playing a video game can have agency and they can decide what to look at and they can decide what actions to take. But largely the plot of the premiere follows the first couple of hours of the video game Mazin and Druckmann have done something different here. And I think that this is what's going to make it interesting for people like me who have played the video game, because there are no surprises for us here. We know this story. We've played it. We've become this story. But Mazin and Druckmann are bringing other things to the TV adaptation to kind of build out the world a little more and provide a little more substance and even some surprises for us. And the most notable thing from the premiere was the opening sequence where it actually takes place in 1968. And it's essentially them laying out the logic that anchors the entire story of why people become zombies in this particular world. And that was something that is not in the video game That really made the TV show feel like, yeah, okay, this might be based on a video game, but it's also something more.
0: Now, sometimes in life, you have to realize when it's good to step back. And this would be one of those moments after I read this question that comes in on text message for you, Blainer. Yes, yes, yes. It stands up to the video game. I give the first episode a 10 out of 10. My question for Blaine is, does he think they'll make another season based on the second half of the game? Before you answer, this is where I say, Ryan, tag, you're it.
2: Because Ryan knows more about the sucker than I do. So this season of The Last of Us, the first season, is the entire first game. It's the whole thing. It's not half of it. It is the entire story told from the video game, the first one, and the second season, which is almost certainly going to be happen, would be the second season of the game. And it's almost, uh, you know, it, I imagine it will follow a very similar format to this.
3: That That's what Druckmann and Mazin have said. They've been quite clear about this. And Mazin has also been very clear that he is not interested in trying to tell stories that go on and on forever, just because they are popular. Like, I mean, Chernobyl was ridiculously popular. There was no second season of that. It was a one, it, He told the story that he needed to tell and he got out. And I think that that's what we'll see here. I think that maybe you could make the case that maybe they might try and squeeze a third season because Druckmann has also talked about how there are more stories in this world that can be told there might be other Last of Us video games coming. And so there might be more things that they can do in the world. But yeah, Ryan, you're you're, you're right. They've been quite clear that the first season is the first game. I agree. I think that the second season, given the response to this first episode and given the critical response to the first four episodes that have been seen, I think it's almost a sure thing that we will get a second season and that will tell us the story of the second game. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I well, drove I'll, I'll by I'll tell you this. were shooting it. I thought it looked cool. That's what I yeah. can tell you. It, it, the, the cast is amazing. Pedro Pascal and Anna Torv playing the two um, the two adult leads are are pitch perfect. They they do an amazing job. Now the actors in the video game were also very very good, um, and I think that the. That these TV actors do a really good job of matching those performances. Bella Ramsey, you don't see a whole lot of her. Um, she comes from Game of Thrones. People will remember her from that. She is kind of introduced towards the end of the episode. She doesn't have a whole lot to do her, here. But again, just really pitch perfect, really excellent performances. Um, and And ultimately, it might be a zombie story, but really this is a story about... A, a father and a daughter who aren't really a father and a daughter, but that's really what's explored in The Last of Us is is what does that connection mean, and how do people find ways to survive when the world has turned against them?
1: Very
0: cool. All right, excited though, thumbs up. We're all excited. Is that safe to assume out of this?
3: Yeah, it's 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 very good. And and like I say, I think that. The, the people who haven't played the game, I think that the first episode, there was a lot there to to kind of tap into, a lot of information and world building. And I think that after we get another episode under your belts, it's going to start moving very, very fast. And I think people will be really excited.
0: All right. So it's the uh, technological world. Blaine Kylo is here. Solacore.com. Blainer, I love my Apple products. I am trying an Android. I'm going to give that a go for the first time. Um but I did want to touch on a couple of these uh tech things that you've got here uh I wish they would come up with the the Apple studio display is still two thousand dollars for the monitor. No it doesn't even include a computer um I wish they would um come up with something along that, but they do have some new things that are coming out that are priced better
3: yeah, um a bit of a surprise announcement yesterday actually on tuesday they Apple announced the latest MacBook pro laptops so somewhat cheaper but i've got to say that macbook pro laptops these are for professionals these are not sort of throwaway computers the new macbook pros feature the m2 silicon chips that are designed by apple and they come in 14 or 16 inch sizes and with one of two chips the m2 pro or the m2 max which is a serious processing chip and the the mac pro with the n2 max chip this is serious hardware and I think that if you max out all of the processing power and the storage space, I think you can get that up to eight or nine thousand dollars. Oh. so this is not for everybody that is is a laptop that's going to be used for people who are doing video work or um, heavy duty processing uh, that kind of stuff. 14 and 16 inch sizes, uh, really incredible battery life now up to 22 hours. But there's also announced where two new Mac mini systems. And these are the little pucks that are just the computing power. So if you've got your keyboard and you've got a monitor already, you can get away with the Mac mini to do the computing. And these new Mac minis have the new M2 chip, which means, I mean, that's more processing power than most people are ever going to need on their desktop at home. Um, these come in at uh, $799 Canadian for the base model Mac Mini. That's a full-on computer for 800 bucks that gives you incredible processing power. That's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with a Mac Mini the next time I need to upgrade my computer because monitors are pretty easy to get, and there's lots of really interesting things happening in monitor world, but nobody can do the computers as well as Apple yet.
0: That's true. So I just, while you did that, I went through the Apple site and I tried to build the most expensive computer you can on Apple. I chose all the most expensive options, which would be the Mac Pro. Yep. um, The server rack mount version of it. All upgrades for the low, low price of $74,356. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And again, I mean, that, that, that Mac Pro is is purpose designed for serious work. I mean, that's not something that Joe Schmo is going to put in his garage. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Better be a heated garage
0: if that's the case. Oh my God. No, that's that thing fancy. would
3: produce enough heat that it would heat you.
0: Yeah. It would, it would, it would keep the car warm. Who needs a block heater? Okay. Um, Facial recognition software is a conversation that has been had. There have been some new reports from new organizations using it. We've heard about the shopping malls. We've heard about the grocery stores of all these different things. But if you could thwart, thwart, it's a good word too. We're all over the good words here with Blaine Kylo. Uh, If you could thwart that and keep your privacy, how could you go about that? Some new ideas about people that might be able to do that.
3: Yeah. In, in the World Cup, actually, there were um, companies and organizations that were providing face paint flags that you could put on your face because um, the country in which the World Cup was held is kind of notorious for surveillance cameras mm-hmm. all over the place and using facial recognition software. And so they actually had stickers you could put on your face that would that would prevent you from being detected and an Italian designer and a fashion company has come up with another way that you can actually um, put a kink in facial recognition software by doing really interesting things with pants and hoodies and t-shirts and dresses. What they do is they, these are knitted outfits, knitted fashion that, Um, have designed in the threads and in the patterns, these surrealistic images of animals. And when you're wearing these garments, the facial recognition software is prevented from focusing only on your face because it's also picking up the images that are within the clothing that you're wearing. And so what it serves up then is really low probability that, it's looking at a person or a face because it thinks that maybe you're a giraffe or maybe there's a zebra that it's looking at instead. And most of these um, programs are trained that if it can't, you know, know for sure that what it's looking at is a human, it just rejects that data altogether and it doesn't bring it into the database. So the manifesto collection from capable, this Italian design company, um, you can get yourself a hoodie that will make a camera think that you're a giraffe.
0: Oh, even better. It's fun. It's a little sassy, which is good. That's interesting. That's interesting too. to think.
3: Right. I mean, cause you would think
0: ball caps, you know, something like that, you know, scarves over your face, the classic Bella clava type of scenarios versus having different fabrics or whatever that reflect the, whatever it is. I'm making this part up UV light or whatever it's using to scan you laser beams, and cause it to scramble its brains a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think that th- you know there are a number of different ways that you can sort of get around these different systems. I think that that um, even just wearing a balaclava though isn't really working anymore because some of these cameras can actually just get a look at your eyes and the area around your eyes and be able to make an identification just based on that. These things are getting pretty sophisticated, and the more information they have the better they get. Fascinating stuff.
0: Um, And hey, maybe a little bit, I don't know, I find it It kind of eases the mind a little bit that if you are, um, you know, if you're worried about the privacy, you know, maybe wear your scarf when you go into that place where you're worried and you might show up as a giraffe. You never know. Not all bad. If you had to pick an animal, Blaine, what animal would be you?
3: I kind of like the idea of a giraffe actually, because they've got really long necks and they're just Mm. very distinct. If i go for an elephant. Everyone loves an elephant.
0: They're still kind of terrified, but everyone kind of loves an elephant.
3: It works for me. Very right. good trunks, those things.
0: I feel like um, I feel like we should probably sit down on a couch here and talk about why. <laughs> this is a much deeper conversation. Tell,
3: tell oh. me why you like the elephant so much.
0: Yeah, Shame. I love it. Good stuff. Blaine Kylo, Solocore.com and the technological world. Thank you, brother.
3: See you next week.
1: This is The Shift Podcast.
0: Are you okay with Zellers? Again, more Zellers. Uh,
2: again. Um, okay, can I think of something new to say about Zellers other than how much I love the toy aisle, the, uh, the vibe in there, the fact that it felt different from all the other you know stores as a kid? Okay, yes, I can think of something. And this is a bit of a dig at Zellers. I'll never. I wore so much. This is actually proves how loyal I was and my family was to Zellers as a kid. When I got my first pair of nice shoes, when I went to school wearing them, a bunch of my friends went, "Ryan, those aren't from Zellers." That's how much Zellers. That's how much I Zellers wore you wore until I got nice stuff and never wore it again. Which might have be you water. ever sat no down.
0: Sport lied on the couch of a a psychologist and explained that story. Cause what you just said was, is that you wore a ton of Zellers and the first time you wore shoes that weren't from Zellers, people acknowledged you and gave you like this new level of love and attention. And now all of a sudden you love sneakers. You didn't ever think of that childhood moment as maybe impacting your shopping habits. Uh,
2: uh, Brain uh no work good right now (laughs) many feeling go to brain (laughs) just saying this could be we could have just found i have i have connected that dot before that i got my first pair Mm -hmm. of converse chuck taylors uh when i was in grade it would have been grade eight Mm -hmm. and never really looked back especially but like there's been pockets where i didn't care as much but you got attention man and now the attention i remember when i got like so, yeah, oh, wow it really actually you know what when I think about it even yeah 100% in high school too man Zellers I have a lot to thank and a lot of anger now <laughs> <laughs> right. several thousand dollars worth of sneakers that I probably wouldn't have bothered paying if I just kept shopping at Zellers why'd they have to right. go out of business Shane
0: but wait with the good news for you Rye
2: they're coming back
0: uh, let's hit the thing here because I see the thing
2: you work hard for your money so Zellers gives you more
0: these days, real value means more than a low price, so Zeller's gives you that low price and much more. More free Club Z rewards, and money back when you use your MORE card, and weekly savings events mean you pay less. $40 less for Al's 7-piece Legend on stick cookware set, and up to one-third less for Jordache jeanswear for the entire family. Wow,
2: see that was a cool commercial, man, hey? Blue color, Zellers. That's like, you should have seen the video too, because it was basically just like people working on like railroads and like miners. And then they had the Zellers, hmm. like the price is the law. Like they were going for it. I respect the that. The
0: lowest price is the law, man. They did it. It was great. It was so sad when they left. Um, That's for sure. Because, I mean, it was so good. When I was in Fort McBurray, it was the only, I mean, there was a sand store. There was a Zellers. Zellers crushed it. And so I, um, you know, I, I love that. That's awesome. Hey, anyway, well, here on The Shift, we have pledged to give you the latest on everything to do with the return of Canada's discount chain. Hudson's Bay Co. first announced plans to revive Zeller's brand last year. We talked about it with excitement then. Then a couple of weeks ago as they started to tease it a little bit. And we now know the lucky cities that will see Zeller's return.
1: The nostalgic discount brand will return as both in-store and as an e-commerce site in select Hudson's Bay stores across the country. Some of the locations include Vancouver, Edmonton, Ottawa, Dartmouth, and Quebec City. Hudson's Bay first announced plans to revive Zeller's last August. The return comes just over a decade after the majority of Zeller's remaining leases were sold, with most stores closing by 2013. Hudson's Bay has yet to announce a specific date for when the stores will launch, but said the rollout is expected to start in the spring.
0: Okay. Um, very excited by this. And some of your comments are coming in as well, along with the roll call here. So I'm sort of sorting through those as well. Um, wanted to get this one. Where is it scrolling? Okay. Hey, guys. Reality about Zeller is the kiosk in Hudson Bay. Uh, will never be the same as your memories. Prices will be high. Eight to 10,000 square feet is what they say that it's going to be. I mean, that's not small. That's not like the top no. shop. Uh, small. bigger than I thought,
2: actually. Yeah. It's way more than I thought. And yeah. it, I would challenge that only slightly because it depends on what the bay sells there. Because mm-hmm. if you go to the bay during bay days or the clearance sales, you mm-hmm. can get really nice stuff for ridiculously low prices and so if they're taking their clearance stuff and selling it at those clearance prices there could be some good deals or they could just be selling their cheaper stuff at the normal price and just the novelty of zellers and but we don't know yet right so it could go either way now
0: and it's extremely popular with those sales right So here's the thing is that here's what they've done. And this is what I'm curious about because the Bay owns other stores, right? The company is called NRDC equity partners and they own the Bay. They also acquired Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, The Bay also runs the off fifth stores, the outlet version of Saks. So they're doing, that's where that's the outlet version, right? So that's the end of line, whatever, whatever. They also have home outfitters. Um, before it closed. So they know this sort of downstream notion, kind of the winners, the home sense and all those. And this is what I think they're going to do. I think that's what they're doing is they're creating these little shops. They're going to put it inside. Whether they move the old Bay product into there or not, I don't know, to be determined. I would think that that's probably a thing. But that's that That seems to me to be a very big trend with some of these stores. And I think this is a really great opportunity. So, yes, it's not going to be Zeller's where there's going to be a, a kitchen and a restaurant and all those things. But I think I think this is kind of cool. It's going to be cool to see the logo. It was founded in 1931, by the way, Zeller's, acquired by HBC in 1978. It was operated as a discount division of Hudson's Bay where they were way ahead of their time. And they had the slogan, where the lowest price is the law. Now, 25 locations coming in Canada, BC, you get Pacific Centre, downtown Vancouver, of course, which is funny to me that they're doing that one, which to me would be a high-end one, right? Which is, Jono, that's like right across the street from you, isn't it?
2: That's actually right underneath me. Because yeah. it, I, yeah, it's the tower, okay. I, I'm in the big black tower. If I just take the elevator downstairs to the basement, I'll be in the bay. Uh, and also, Shane, to tell you, there's actually a basement section of the bay that's just abandoned and vacant right now. So that might wow. become Zeller's.
0: Oh, interesting. And you know what? They Now, they, they're not putting it into that store in Calgary downtown. If that's the yeah. high-end bay downtown. And they're not putting it into the one that's down in South Calgary. They're putting it into the one up in the northeast, which makes sense demographically for, for the discounts. but. Um, I was going to finish BC here right before your thoughts. Yeah. Aberdeen Mall, Kamloops, uh, Guilford Town Center, Surrey, Seven Oaks Shopping Center in Abbotsford. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say that, building off what you said, of, of all these ones that they've selected, as far as I can tell, the one downtown Vancouver is the only central urban location on this entire list that mm-hmm. has been picked to be a Zeller's uh, test store which is probably Mm -hmm. the riskier one that they're going to pay close attention to.
0: Yeah, might be just where they had space too. Um, In Alberta, you have Kingsway Garden Mall in Edmonton. That's a great mall. Uh, Medicine Hat Mall in Medicine Hat. So that's quite a ways to the east. Uh, Three hours? To the east of Calgary. Sunridge Mall in northeast Calgary, which is a very, very popular and very busy mall too. In Saskatchewan, in Saskatchewan um saskatoon midtown plaza is getting it in winnipeg the only manitoba stores in st Vital, um ontario okay here's obviously a longer list uh, aaron mills mississauga burlington mall burlington white oaks mall london scarborough town center scarborough the penn center saint Catharines. love the penn center I used to live in st kitts that's where our buddy bk is from he used to work in the penn center Rideau center ottawa which is again that's right downtown right that's um that's the one that's right down. It's like a Kitty Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's the
2: one that I checked out. Yeah, that's a really mm-hmm. nice mall too. Yeah.
0: Um, the St. Laurent Center in Ottawa. Uh, and the Qatar Key Town Center in Kingston as well. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five in Quebec. Uh, Gatineau, which is like uh, Le and is like right across the river. So that's kind of like Ottawa. So there's going to be a bunch in Ottawa. Quebec City, Sherbrooke. Um, Rosemere, uh, Villanjo, and then in Nova Scotia, there's two: Dartmouth and Sydney that are getting it. So, which, by the way, did you know? This is, I believe, going to be the first time that Zellers
2: has ever had a website. No, I think so. No, the, they closed in 2013. There's no mm-hmm. way they didn't have a website. But online at all shopping was not a not huge then. Not as big. That's true. But mm-hmm. 2013, I feel like they would have had at least. Yeah. Something. Anything. Zellers.ca. Yeah. Anyway, um, wow. there you go. Okay. Interesting.
0: So the Zellers is a coming. 877-399-9898. Thank you for all the texts for the roll call. I'm going to read out a bunch of your uh, who you are, where you're listening from uh, coming up here. So keep those coming in. This is Are You Okay With?
2: Classical music. Ooh, the classical music. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty amazing i don't listen to it often although i do have some pieces of classical music i really like like tchaikovsky's Mm -hmm. 1812 Overture. that's a that's an absolute massive bing bang bong kind of song banger Mm -hmm. literally there's cannons at the end of the song literally in the music written it asks for cannons to be fired as as the the crescendo if you will uh Mm -hmm. but i think it's really amazing to look back on classical music and there's a reason why it stood the test of time, just the talent and the pure artistry of creating mm. all those songs. Uh, but you know uh, I've never seen a classical orchestra live and that's something that I would really, oh, really like to
0: really? do. Really? That's cool. No. Yeah. Should do that Jack Singer. Um, okay. So I feel like here at the shift, we could use a little polish on, you know, our class. So okay. I, I like I figure you know like we should put on the tuxedo and and maybe just continue. Are you okay with uh, properly and um, you know add a little bit of little classical music into Ooh. into what we do. Classical music is beautiful,
2: but there is a I'm and a place. no we can't we can't when I mean, there's typos. No, no there's typos. You have to. This is a challenge for you. Not okay. an I'm in a place, a time it wouldn't be Classical, of classical music, music is
0: beautiful But There is a I'm and a place That's a typo <laughs> Homer and classical music is funny To listen to it <laughs> A convenience store in the United States of America Is under fire for playing classical opera 24-7 Very loudly for a particularly scummy reason.
3: Well, someone sent us a tip to report it at KXAN.com to tell us about this 7-Eleven on Old Torf, a little east of I-35. The person who sent us the tip and the people, leave, uh, people living nearby in nearby tents believe that this is an effort to keep those experiencing homelessness away. I mean nobody likes it. I mean nobody
0: likes the music because it's going all night and you know I feel maybe they do it
3: to try to run us off because you can hear it all night. It plays all night all day. Former city council candidate Daniela Silva and her campaign manager Jessica Cohen live in the area. They along with other neighbors are also annoyed with the music.
1: I can hear the music. Before I even got to the 7-Eleven, it's annoying this early in the morning. Not that I don't love classical music, but this is just rude.
0: Okay. Uh, KXAN uh, reached out to 7-Eleven for a comment, no response. Um, Do you remember when this was done down in, I think it might have been, Florida, actually, where Uh, uh, one organization there, they wanted to get rid of homeless people, and they
2: used this. This is so much worse. <laughs> so much worse. <laughs>
0: Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. If you've watched um, Ted Lasso, you know that. Okay. Um, now, the city of Austin said they received five complaints for the store since the start of 2023 when the music likely started. Now, I have mixed emotion about this. I got to tell you. Uh It doesn't solve homeless problems to defer homeless people to another area. That does not solve the problem. But as a business operator that has probably owns the land and there are people who are on their property, they have every right to not have people on their property, homeless or not. And so if they're inside the law, I got to say, it's a fair ball. I don't like it because it doesn't solve the problem. To me, it would be, why don't you get involved in your community and try to have a place for people to go, all of that stuff. But I would imagine if there are homeless people around, stereotypes and all, there's probably drinking, there's probably some sort of substance substance use, and there's probably some theft going on. And when you're protecting your employees, I hate to say it, um, but get involved in your community and come up with a solution that works, as I guess I'd toss
2: that out there too. It doesn't help anybody. I, I did look and see if it was illegal and it depends on the the decibels, how loud the music is and mm. they haven't measured it. So it could, it could be too loud. It could be illegal. I mean, the fact that you can hear it while they're trying to interview a lady is yeah, uh, pretty funny, but also, yeah, pretty gross. And I I'm with you on that because I, it is a conflict. It's not an easy thing to fix, but it's just kind of, it, I just find it very disrespectful. And even I'll, I'll never forget when I went to Ottawa, we went through a parquet, me and my buddies downtown, and they played, it wasn't a music, it was a ear, it was like a tinnitus ringing, concentrated oh. times a thousand. It was literally disorientating. I was actually having trouble walking up the stairs, it was so loud, it, just to keep homeless people out of somewhere warm, and yeah, that, that never sits right with me. No,
0: no. But again, deferring the problem doesn't work either. So if it's your community and you're invested in your community so much that you put a business there, then get involved in your community. I think that's a fair ball.
1: Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast.
0: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.